I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to answer several questions that have come in through our phone line as text messages covering topics like, have I been mistyped? How do I set boundaries? And so much more. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. The rose for today is milk tea. I've gotten really into drinking milk tea lately, um, especially around my cycle, the time of my cycle. Um, I try to lower the amount of coffee that I'm drinking and replace it with tea. And milk tea is so delicious. It's just so good. There's so many different recipes for milk tea on like Pinterest and stuff. But if you haven't tried it, you should try it. It's really yummy. My bud is that today... This, or next week, starting Sunday, is my last week of being on prednisone. So if you don't know, I've been going through some lung stuff and we're trying to figure out what's going on. I have essentially like a nodule in there that's just like been in there for a really long time. We can't figure out why it's not getting out and we're trying steroids. And if you've ever been on prednisone, it is insane. It's like crazy making. I feel like hyper and exhausted. I feel like swollen and um, just just not good. Just all around, it's a bad feeling. And I get to finish my last week of it next week, and I'm really looking forward to being off of it, just remembering what it feels like to be me and my body. And my thorn is that, you guys, I'm killing my office plants. I'm pretty good with plants. Like our house, we have a ton of plants, tons of different varieties. I have it like down to a science, like we are good to go. But for whatever reason, my office, I just cannot keep them alive. I don't know if it's that there's not enough sunlight in here or if maybe I'm under or overwatering them for the space, like compared to what we have at home. I don't know, but they're not thriving. They're, sur- they're barely surviving. So that is my thorn. Now let's dive into today's question. So again, these are text messages that came in. I've pulled several of them. I'm going to answer a, a few. Our first question comes from Megan. She said, I've heard you talk about how we should try to balance out both of our wings. So my question is, if you don't identify with anything from one of your wings, is that a sign that you may be mistyped? So I think, Megan, what you're saying is that you identify with one of your wings, but not both of your wings. And in that case, I would say no, like most of us do lean into one wing or another. Um, I will say as a type, you know, I'm a seven with a really, really strong eight wing. And I do have a hard time identifying with a lot of six traits. But I recognize that when I balance it out with some some of the six type strengths, it's really beneficial for me. So um, some of those strengths are like thinking things through, really being being more cautious, being more aware of how I'm impacting other people who are on my team or in my family, being more loyal as a friend, being a little bit less independent um, than I am because I'm kind of double independent and double self-focused. And so, um, you know, when I pull those character traits in, it's a really big asset to me. It doesn't come very naturally to me. So I have to do it on purpose. So that's more what, what I mean by that balance. It's kind of like you're working out the muscle of the other wing. Now, if you don't identify with either of your wings, if you just are like, I just feel like I'm a pure version of my type, 
that's also that's also a thing that happens. Some people aren't really utilizing either of their wings. That's that doesn't necessarily mean you've been mistyped. Um, it can just mean that you you want to work out both sides and, and kind of pull in some of those skills from either side. I will also say that if you feel like you've been mistyped, then really go in and focus on the motivation, the basic fear, the worldview, and see if that 100% aligns for you. But if you read a description of your type and you're like, this is me and wings are the only reason you're, you're second guessing, I don't think that's a, that is necessary. Okay, so our next question is, I can't tell if I'm a three or a nine. I see a lot of myself in both. How do I know which is my type? So this is actually pretty common because three and nine are connected. So type threes, when they're stressed out, can look like type nine, and type nines, when they're thriving, can look like type three. So sometimes when this line looks like that, like the one in rest is the other one's in stress, it can be confusing, right? Because um, they kind of work in that order. Here's how you can really know which one's your core type. First of all, it comes down to basic fear, basic motivation. So for our type threes, um, that motivation is to be successful and to not stagnate. And so the fear is like, what if I, what if I don't progress and I, and I get left behind, right? Versus a nine, who is more concerned with their own peace of mind and being stressed out, right? Like their focus of attention is on not losing connection with other people. You know, they don't want to make anyone upset with them and they um, don't want to get too stressed out. They want to just feel relaxed and at ease. And so um, in that way, really go into the, the basic motivation and focus there. The other thing is pit them against each other. I like to pit the motivations against each other. Like, would I rather be um, at peace or would I rather be successful? A three is going to pick successful and a nine is going to pick peace. Like, a nine is going to choose, like, I would rather just be, like, chill and not be the best. And a three is going to say, like, no, I would rather be, like, really stressed out but, like, know that I did something with my – did something – amazing or people think I'm successful, right? So um, pit them against each other. And then just, uh, I think the other thing is that threes are an assertive type. They're quick to take action. They um, they they sometimes take action really quickly. And nines are uh, action repressed type. They're withdrawing type. So when conflict happens, they move away, whereas threes move against. So that's another piece, good piece of information to take into account. Now, the last piece of this is that sometimes um, a social type nine can look like a three. So you might want to read up on the subtype of nine that's social and just see if that connects to you, if none of the other things that I've mentioned give you clarity. Okay, so a next question is a two-part. So these are both type sevens who have sent in questions about type ones in their life. So I'll read them both to you and then I'll give you my answer. So the first one is type seven here, suggestions for setting boundaries with a type one who doesn't have boundaries and is very my way or the highway, in quotations. The next question is, hi, seven here. My husband is a one. I'm still learning about all of the numbers, starting with our own. Thanks for this opportunity to ask a question. I'm wondering about the ones. Several close people to me are ones. I feel like they all think so differently from me. I want to be, I want patience to listen and understand. Help me understand the ones. <laughs> Maybe you have an episode already out. I need to check out about the ones. Any advice for me in understanding the way ones think? 
Okay, so I'm going to answer this in kind of two parts. So first, kind of what do we do when we need to set a boundary here? The first is honor the part of what Matt of here that matters. So for sevens, specifically, the idea of my way or the highway or there being like one right way is upsetting to us. And so when we have to engage with someone who has kind of black or white thinking, it can be pretty tricky. And so there's an element of like own your piece of this puzzle as well. So what is what if this is actually a boundary that needs to be set? And what if this is just something that makes us uncomfortable? Um, if it's something that just makes us uncomfortable, um, we need to just kind of let it be. And because recognize that we're not going to change other people. Um, they are who they are. We can't control how they show up. If it's something that's coming into our space and impacting us, that's where we get to set a boundary and say, just because you think this way doesn't mean that I'm going to think this way. And so when we set a boundary that just looks like, here's how you're allowed to interact with me. If you cross that boundary, here's how I will respond. And then we follow through with the consequences of that boundary being crossed. Um, so as a seven, you might just you might just look for, you know, is this coming into my space or is it just annoying me that I'm watching it? If it is coming into your space, then identify what behavior needs to change and communicate your boundary. Now, here's the thing that we need to know about the ones in our lives. We need to recognize their intention because here's how I've heard it described by a lot of ones is they're not really necessarily looking for your, your flaws or your shortcomings or for you to be doing the wrong thing. Instead, they're just kind of on autopilot, always seeing how things can be improved. And when that happens, it almost feels rude to not say something, right? It feels rude to them to not tell you, like they're just letting you do the wrong thing in the wrong way. And it's like, they're doing the wrong thing by not speaking up because they're so hard on themselves and they kind of expect themselves to always live up to this like perfect standard. They want to be told when, you know, it's like you're looking for information so that you make sure that you don't get caught messing up or looking foolish. And so they're kind of giving you the information so that you don't get caught looking foolish um, according to like how their inner critic has defined that word. So I think it's first just to know that they're not doing it to like criticize you. They're just, they literally are, are loving you the way they want to be loved, right? They're giving you what they think they deserve. Um, and remember that they're just like wrestling with their own inner critic. Like this, they, they literally have a voice in their head that is so unkind to them that they think they have to be, they have to constantly be restricting and improving in order to be worthy of good things, in order to be a good person. And that's really exhausting. And it's actually kind of lonely, right? Like they are always over-functioning, always looking out for ways to be improving things in, the, in life. And when other people aren't noticing the same details that they're noticing, they're also not noticing the effort that they're putting into just being a person. And so it's actually kind of a lonely place to be. And as sevens, we can kind of take for granted high confidence and high self-esteem. We have a pretty solid relationship with like our worth for the most part, an average typical seven, just like thinks we're doing the right thing. And ones don't have that security with themselves. So there's a little bit of compassion we can offer there. 
But I will say there is an upcoming episode in February. I already did the interview. It's so good with Malika Starnes. She's a type one and she's done so much good, beautiful work. And so if you have a type one in your life that you want to understand more, definitely stay tuned for that episode. It's going to be so, so good. All right. Our final question for today is from our type two. So it's type two here. Any tips on how to avoid the seemingly inevitable resentment that twos carry stemming from overgiving? Yes, I have a three-part answer for this one. First is meet your own needs and recognize that that's your only job. Your job is to meet your needs, not the needs of other people. It's not their job to meet your needs and vice versa. You are Your job is to take care of you. And then any giving that you give to other people in your life is a, an act of generosity and cannot have um, expectations attached to it. So you can't give in order to receive. You can't give in, even in hopes of a thank you. You can only give because I want to give. This is coming from my excess. And I know that there are going to be people who are like, yeah, but I'm a parent and that doesn't feel like I'm, I have to show up for my kids. But the truth is, no, you don't you don't have to be a good parent, right? Like you can be a bad parent, but you don't want to (laughs) be. So make sure that you're in integrity with the act of being the parent you want to be and recognize that you're giving that to your child because you love them, not because you want them to love you, right? Because you care so much for them, you want to be a good parent, but it's not their job to show you that they, that you, um, they recognized all of that effort. You give, you give altruistically and without intentions of receiving. And when you can do that, when you can give from meeting your own needs without expectations of receiving, then your resentment gets cut off because resentment is created by expectation, right? And expectation gets created because of our lack and our lack gets created because we're waiting for other people to take care of us while we're so busy taking care of other people instead of taking care of ourselves and therefore letting other people take care of themselves and so on. So that's number one. Number two, just ask before giving. I gave this example in um, the, our course, Enneagram and Relationships. I talked about the type with type twos about self-responsibility. And I gave this example is that I'm very attached to waffle Saturdays. It, my household, like we have a waffle iron. I love those Kodiak cakes, those protein waffles. And I'm very attached to the idea of like, we eat waffles on Saturdays, but my family's not as into it as I am. You know, like they're sometimes into it. Sometimes they're not. And for the first couple of weeks, I was like, making us all waffles. And then when someone didn't want a waffle, I was like mad about it. But I never asked, do you want a waffle? I just made the waffle. And then when they didn't want it, I was like irritated that they weren't doing this thing with me. And I learned to just ask, do you want a waffle? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. No batter is going to get wasted if I ask before I give. And the resentment goes down, right? It's like, I don't expect you to want to do this thing that I want you to do. And a lot of times that's how choose orient is they just give. And then when it's not appreciated, they feel unappreciated instead of recognizing that sometimes you're giving things that people didn't ask for and didn't even want. So make sure that when you're giving your energy that it comes without expectation on your part and is actually something people need or want from you. And finally, 
practice the pause and ask, which just means when you're doing something and you're feeling irritated or resentful, pause, ask yourself what you need in that moment, ask for a time-specific solution. So what does that, what I mean by that is when we're talking time-specific, it's not like I'm the only one who ever does the dishes. Instead, it's like, hey, I'm going to wash my dishes, but will you come in and wash your dishes this time? And then you can come up with a solution for the long term later. But in that moment, just like pause, ask for what you need and let that need be met. If that need is rejected, then you can have a longer conversation of like, okay, at what time can you do your dishes? Um, Who do you think will do these dishes if you don't do the dishes? Um, Because there is going to be some kind of retraining of the people in your life who are used to things being a certain way. Um, But for you, your practice is really just pause when the resentment arises, ask for help in a time-specific way. All right. Thank you all for sending in questions. If you want your question answered in a future episode, you can do that by calling or texting 828-338-9127. That number is also in the show notes. I answer questions every single Wednesday. And today's food for thought. If someone throws a fit because you're setting a boundary, that is your evidence that the boundary was needed. Don't change your course of action. Follow through with the consequences. As always, it's such a joy to create this content for you, and I'll see you tomorrow for the next episode.